Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nittany Blues Podcast. I am here with Vince. Vince, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the Lions lost in their big matchup against Texas. But, uh, hey, we got wrestling with an NCAA title. Men's volleyball is ranked number one. Uh, the hockey team is going to the dance, uh, you know, to compete to make their way to the Frozen Four. So, um, it's not all doom and gloom in uh, Penn State Athletics. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, even even Penn State winning a game in the NCAA tournament can't be overstated because that the last time that happened, Vince, we were eight and nine years old. Like, think about that. That's just yeah. insane. Yeah, I was just about to turn eight. So that's a, a wild <laughs> thing to, to think about that. You know, and that's something, you know, in, in my life when I was eight, I wasn't like watching Penn State basketball very much. So, um, you know, really first time me in my lifetime watching Penn State win a game live. Uh, complete dominant fashion against Texas A&M. And then, uh, you know, the way this Texas game went, you just thought, man, I can't believe they they didn't win this game and find a way to pull it out. And really, uh, you know, my gut feeling going into this one is that I thought Texas was a really good team. I thought they had a chance to beat us, but um, I felt like if we could just get through this game, uh, you know, Penn State could legitimately, legitimately make a Final Four run. Yeah, you know, this this is one that is going to stick in our heads for a while, I think, just because of how lights out all the shooters were against Texas A&M. And then to just have them go relatively silent during this Texas game is uh, it's always going to be a massive like what if because, you know, I don't know what the uh, percentage was for Funk, but certainly wasn't near the level that he had against Texas A&M. So just felt like there were a lot of points left on the table. And I mean, it's it's sad to think that, you know, with um, two more completed three point attempts, Penn state has enough points to win this game. Yeah. And that's what it came down to. Uh, you know, you do have to give credit to Texas. Their defense was very stingy all night. Uh, Penn state really had a difficult time finishing around the rim, you know, layups and, um, you know, jump hooks. So they really struggled with, uh, that, uh, Cam winter had a really nice mid range game. Uh, he had 16 points, uh, but from deep, yeah, it was just kind of polar opposite of what they encountered with Texas A&M. Andrew Funk was 8 of 10 against them and only 2 of 10 from behind the arc tonight. So really unfortunate. Uh, some of the misses were definitely just like, you know, Seth Lundy was taking a step back three with a hand in his face. And, you know, there was a lot of misses where, you know, we were open, we had a great shot, and uh, unfortunately just didn't knock down enough of them. Yeah, for sure. And it just seemed like, you know, there were key things going on throughout the game that, went against Penn State's favor. I mean, it seemed like Texas got about a thousand second chance opportunities on offense with uh, offensive rebounds. Just seemed like every possession they were getting another chance at that. And then, um, yeah, and just not enough of those on Penn State's side. And even when they did get them, uh, they weren't necessarily converting them to points. And then, of course, you know, you had, uh, what is his name? Dylan DeSue from Texas, uh, the unstoppable force for the Longhorns who just scored what felt like a hundred points for them. But, uh, you know, he, he just came alive in a, in a big way, even though he wasn't necessarily like this, uh, 
massive scorer throughout the season. Yeah, and it's wild. Uh, you know, the reason why Penn State is not moving on to the Sweet 16 is we because we could not stop, you know, a guy who scores eight points a game. He played 31 minutes and had 28 points on 14 of 20 shooting. Uh, yeah. You know, generally when I'm playing, uh, you know, basketball or if I was coaching, um, if another player is, is getting hot like Disu is, uh, you, you got to take him away. Um, and unfortunately, Penn State didn't do enough to, to make that happen. Uh, rebounding was an issue definitely very early on um, towards the end of the game. I think you did see Penn state more, make more you know, like hustle plays. Like, you know, at, towards the end of the game, you saw uh, Lundy make that kind of crazy rebound where he kind of smacked like a volleyball. Yeah. Which you know, I love that. He was, he was, he was trying to will his team to victory, man. He was doing everything that he could. And he was, he was getting beat up out there too. I mean, taking some shots, got that one weird, like, uh, check to his nose like as the guy was like falling backwards the guy the guy really went through it yeah and uh you know really really tough uh you know i i I was really surprised he didn't get a foul there but um you know gave penn state some extra opportunities and you know it's just so unfortunate uh you know that you know we couldn't put it away and close out the game especially since uh you know they came back from being down early right up 58 to 55 yeah, I had that feeling in my gut that uh, you know Penn State was gonna close out just like they did against like Northwestern and Indiana, and you just had that feeling that they were gonna you know pull out the victory, and uh, you know it's just so such a bummer that they couldn't close it out because uh, you know with all the the senior leadership on this team, I, I thought I do legitimately think that you know. Yeah, what if if we hit two more threes, you're looking at Penn State in a Final Four because with how they were playing against AM, and if you knock down the best opponent, in my opinion, in our bracket, um, you know, I think they would have had a clear shot at making the Final Four. Yeah, you know, like I said, it's just going to be one of those what ifs. And, uh, you know, on the on the note of DeSue only averaging eight points during the regular season, I mean, it's funny how Penn State just seems to run into these guys who just turn into Michael Jordan against them. I mean, we talked all about how Mason Mason Gillis. Gillis, Yeah. Yeah. Like from Purdue. I mean, the guy just like put up 30 some points um, against Penn state when they played and Purdue was still ranked number one in the country. I mean, against Fairleigh Dickinson, the guy scored 10. So (laughs) I don't know what it is about Penn state. Yeah. And it's happened so many times this year where you get this kind of one guy has a breakout performance and Penn state isn't able to, to stop that guy. Um, you know, and you would think with Texas shooting one of 13 from three, 8%, like if you told me Texas shot 8% from three after shooting, you know, well above 50% uh, in the first round matchup uh, for the against Colgate, uh, I'd be like, okay, Penn State wins this game, you know, hands down, doesn't matter if they have a good shooting night or not. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, there's there was a guy named Disu and, Mm-hmm. He hit a bunch of mid-range floaters and jumpers and, you know, really unfortunate that uh, kept a giant company and weren't able to shut him down. And uh, another area, you know, that I think we forgot about, you know, because most of the most of it happened early in the game was uh, Jalen Pickett. Uh, Texas's defense did a really good job stopping him tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. He only had 11 points. Uh, he, You know, he kind of made up for that by getting extra rebounds. You saw him get a double double. Uh, finally, you know, he seemed to be around that seven, eight rebound mark, but he got 10 rebounds tonight. So he's, even though Jalen Pickett didn't have a, you know, a great night, you definitely saw the hustle out there. He only had one assist and seven turnovers, which is just 
completely wild to me. Um, you know, Jalen Pickett is such a good player. And the fact that Texas was able to do that defensively to him, especially since four of those were in the first like, you know, five or six minutes of the game, really, really a bummer too. Cause you know, that, that definitely contributed, uh, to the, the end of the game as, you know, Penn state had nine turnovers and, uh, Texas only had five. Yeah. Yeah. It really did seem like he was out of sorts in a way. Um, you know, and part of that is definitely just going to be Texas being a really good team. And there were like other parts of the game or other team members that just had these weird moments. Like there was that one inbound uh, to dread that he then like passed to winter past the mid court point, And then it just turned into a turnover late. Like it's just weird mm-hmm. things like that, that just really just concocted a perfect storm for Penn state to not walk out of there with the victory, unfortunately, but it, it just, just seemed like there was like a weird funk, uh, no pun intended around, you know, parts of the the team and their execution. Yeah. It was almost, uh, like the Purdue game. Uh, it, it was a little different because Penn state was coming down from a large deficit in that one where, um, you know, the deficit was not near as large and Penn state had a lead, but it was just like, you know, right at that last couple of minutes, they just made a critical error, you know, whether it was like the cam winter, um, you know, jumping in the air and traveling or right. Miles dread, you know, waving cam a- across, you know, um, you know, backcourt to a backcourt violation. So, um, you know, really unfortunate that, uh, you know, things ended up that way, but you know, when all, when we look at this, um, you know, from, you know, an outside view from what we expected at the beginning of the season, you know, if you would have told us like, hey, Penn State is going to make it to a Big Ten championship game, you know, they're going to get second place in the Big Ten and then, you know, losing the second round of the tournament, you'd be like, OK, I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it just shows the the big growth of the program and such a good job that Micah Shrewsbury has done in his two years there as, as the head coach. Um, however, things are getting competitive. Uh, you know, when you start winning. You know, the heat is rising around, uh, you know, Michael Shrewsbury, kind of a hot, you know, young coach. So, um, you know, people are going to be out for his services. And, uh, you know, Georgetown was in that conversation. Uh, some people thought Providence maybe. But um, really the, the main one now has come down to Notre Dame as he has been announced as a uh, primary candidate for that position. Um, we all have also heard that Penn State is looking to put together a large package for Michael Shrewsbury to try to entice him to stay at Penn state. Um, so this is going to be, you know, a competition and, you know, if I'm Michael Shrewsbury, I'm going to, you know, use that as leverage to try to get both sides to offer me as much as possible so that I have the, the best chance of having success as a coach, you know, with all the resources, you know, wherever I, I decide to go. Um, However, I do hope that Penn State, you know, is able to get, get the deal done. Uh, from one of my sources, uh, I heard through the grapevine that we even had guys like John Hara calling to Penn State donors to, you know, try to contribute to the basketball program. So, um, you know, if Penn State does en- end up losing out, uh, I can guarantee you it is not for the athletic department's uh, lack of trying. <laughs> Yeah. And that, that really was just the most important part for me. Cause you know, I'm, I'm weirdly calm about this whole thing because like what I love to keep Shrewsbury, absolutely. But you know, this is really kind of the watershed moment. It seems for Penn state basketball, like this is the moment where Penn state has to 
make the conscious effort to make basketball a priority. And like in this day and age, like with, you know, NIL being a part of the college athletics landscape, like, you know, it's going to take mobilizing boosters and making phone calls and piecing together a package and stuff like that. And, you know, it's going to take some, you know, sweet talking from Pat Kraft and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of of the opinion that if, Penn State wants to keep Shrewsbury and make sure that he's going to be the one leading Penn State basketball into this era where they're going to be reasonably expected to make the tournament every year or every other year. Like they just have to make the decision to do it, basically, you know, not to uh, oversimplify things, but it's just uh, like every program that has gone from being, you know, below average or bottom feeders in their conference or on the national stage. Like all those programs before they made the leap to being relevant, competitive and competing for championships, all of those programs had this kind of moment. And, you know, it's just it was going to come sooner or later for Penn State as they were going to have this kind of success. It just happened uh, really quickly, you know, and uh, not because of um, any unknown reasons. I mean, Penn State making a conference championship game and winning a an NCAA tournament game like that's big things. So I'm just, uh, you know, I'm confident that. Penn State is going to put their best foot forward to try and make this happen because I think there's a certain tenor around what the program has done recently and kind of recognizing that this is a rare opportunity. Like this had a different feel than Chambers and the 2020 team, you know, being a lock for the NCAA tournament. Like this is different. Like we have we have a coach that took, you know, a program that was not in the conversation and made them a part of the conversation in almost no time at all. So like I said, I'm, I'm confident, you know, I, I would love to keep Shrewsbury, but this is, this was, uh, not unexpected. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how this plays out. And, uh, I guess in, uh, natural Andrew fashion, I'm just, uh, I'm overly optimistic that we'll come out on top here. And, uh, in typical Vince fashion, I'm, uh, you know, nervous and sweating it out. Um, <laughs> you know, I know Charlie was like, oh, you don't need to worry about Notre Dame because it's a national program. But I'm like, it's still in the state of Indiana, which is where he is from, you know. And you know, if you got a chance to return to a big program in the state of Pennsylvania, as opposed to Indiana, you know, for an example, you'd probably want to come back. Right. Um, and, you know, Notre Dame, I, I do think has put more in their you know, basketball program. You've seen them in the, the tournament more over the past couple of decades than Penn State. However, I do think we have one thing in our favor, and that is uh, Braden Shrewsbury, who's uh, joining the team next year. And uh, I think that Coach Shrews will want to coach his son. I think that's, um, you know, more important than coaching in the state of Indiana. You know, family is everything, right? So I do hope that that gives us enough that we can make a deal close enough to Notre Dame and entice him enough to stay. But I think the fact that we have Braden committed next year and since he signed that NLI deal, um, that would mean he would have to sit out, out his first year of college basketball if, if he did want to transfer and uh, play for his dad. So I, I do think that's kind of one feather that Penn State does have in their cap. But, uh, you know, we, we just got to think about how good Michael Shrewsbury has done. Um, you, you had Pat Chambers getting fired, uh, you know, right before the season, Jim Ferry comes in, uh, does a pretty good job. Uh, they're just a little bit below 500 in the big 10. Um, you know, does a really, you know, I, I think that's a good job with, um, you know, all the drama that was going on within the program. 
And then, you know, they end up not hiring Jim Ferry, who the players loved. And you have this new guy, Michael Shrewsbury, uh, you know, very, you know, comes from a good basketball program at Purdue, has some NBA experience, worked with the Butler teams, assistant coach at Purdue. So, you know, you're, you're getting a guy who knows what he's talking about, but, you know, he has to rebuild this program from scratch. You have guys like Jamari Wheeler, uh, you know, entering the transfer portal and Myron Jones and Isaiah Brockington. Um, a lot of the star players we had at Penn State uh, leaving because they, they weren't happy with how the uh, Pat Chambers situation was handled. And, you know, they liked playing for Jim Ferry. So, you know, the fact that he was able to come in and get us, you know, to an NCAA tournament and win in the NCAA tournament within two years, uh, really impressive job by Michael Shrewsbury, you know, just giving all of the circumstances and overcoming all the odds. Um, so I view this as something that Penn state, um, this is one of those things you just can't F it up. Like we can be that school that is like Alabama where we're go both good in football and basketball. And Michael Shrewsbury is the key to, uh, reaching that pedestal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we're definitely on the same page. This is, um, this is a rare opportunity. Like, um, I think everybody out there can recognize just how good of a coach Micah Shrewsbury is and just how well he connects with his players and how he's able to bring in really high impact guys from the transfer portal. I mean, all you have to do is look at Jalen Pickett to see what he's capable of in that aspect. So, you know, I, it's not, this isn't going to be the last time that a program comes after Micah Shrewsbury. If he is uh, going to stay in state college, like this is, this is going to be James Franklin uh, ask, you know, he, He's going to continue to do well. He's going to continue to be courted by other programs. And Penn State just has to continue to make him a priority. And I think that, you know, when you look at the whole universe of what Penn State as an athletic department has at its disposal, you know, um, like, am I going to sit here and say that its pockets are deeper than Alabama's? Probably not. But hmm. am I going to say that it's comparable? Absolutely. So I think that Penn State like I said before, I just think that it needs to make the conscious effort to, um, make this happen. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm confident that it will, because I think that, you know, there's enough excitement, there's enough buzz out there, um, in wanting to keep Micah Shrewsbury and keep the energy going. That is the basketball program. And I think that Pat Kraft is probably the right man, uh, to lead that charge. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's just like all sports all the time, man. He, like you saw pictures of him at, the game against Texas A&M. You saw him um, in Tulsa for the NCAA wrestling championships. Like the guy is all over the freaking place. He can't get enough. Yeah. And he's done a really good, great job. Penn state has been successful in just about all of their, you know, sporting endeavors, uh, just about every single sport they seem to be ranked. So, you know, Pat Kraft has to keep up the good work, but you know, college basketball is, is a really big deal. Uh, probably number two, out of all the sports behind college football in terms of, you know, what fans care about the most. So, uh, you know, this is something that needs to get done. And if it gets done, like I'm definitely having like a glass of red wine to celebrate, or, uh, maybe I'll get two <laughs> shrews burgers at the field. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, yeah, that, so we will, we will have to do, uh, that, that bet at some point I was thinking maybe blue white weekend. We had, we had a yeah. field and, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, so I think that might be a good time for me to, uh, you know, fulfill my bet. But it, you know, if Coach Shrewsbury 
Uh, if he stays here and he signs an extension, I'm going to be, I, I might even get to, I'll be, I'll be that happy. And there we go. If, if outside of money, uh, things you could throw at Michael Shrewsbury's way, I think it would be good if you got a ice cream flavor at the creamery after him. I do think peanut butter goes well on ice cream. So I think that's a, a better okay. matchup, uh, you know, better uh, mix of flavors, but, uh, that, that's something I would pitch, uh, a flavor ice cream flavor at the creamery to get him to stay. Yeah. You could do a, you could do like a like kind of like a fruity craze sort of thing. Call it like the the Shrewsbury uh Shrewsbury Madness or something like that. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah. Um I'm trademarking that by the way. So creamery if you're listening, uh you have to pay me now for that name. But yeah, uh, trademark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, but I digress. Um so I guess uh the big question though around that is do you think he's going to stay? Um, I think it'll come down to money. Okay. Um, I'll say that. I think it's going to come down to money. Uh, if he if he thinks that, hey, the package that Notre Dame is throwing at him is too good, you know, I, I think he'll go there. You know, mm-hmm. if the resources are better. However, if you're looking at a Penn State team, uh, you know, this is a team that made the NCAA tournament, got a win really had final four potential if you think a couple things would have went their way against Texas. Notre Dame didn't make the tournament. They mm-hmm. were good this year. I mean, I'm, I I have all the confidence in the world of Michael Shrewsbury to turn that program around just like he did here. But he's already got a good rapport with his players. It seems like Penn State is you know really invested. His son's committed to playing here next year. So, you know, I think when it's all said and done, I think this is, you know, a smart part on Michael Shrewsbury to take the interviews and use that as leverage against, you know, Patrick Kraft. And that way he's able to get the, the most resources, maybe more than, you know, it's, it's really making Penn state dig to, uh, you know, get Penn state basketball on par with the other blue buds and college basketball. So you, uh, are you going to put your chips on? Yes. Then. Oh, the the pessimist in me is saying <laughs> no. Okay, and that's I, okay. I think I think I think with his son being here, I think he will want to coach his son. Yeah. So like, I'm, I, it's definitely one of those things. I'm like, uh, maybe fifty one, forty nine percent. Okay. Really, it's gonna be you know for me. I I think his son is the deciding factor. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think he'll he'll uh you know with Penn State, but until he uh, signs that contract extension, I will be uh, holding my breath. <laughs> That's fair. I think I'm I'm definitely squarely in the I think he's going to stay category because I think you know I think the the big thing is is his son playing for Penn State. I think that's going to be um, a big reason why he'll want to stay. Uh, but at the same time, too, I think it's only a year. But even so, you know that that still would be like you know, a year that he's at Penn state and, you know, that could be factoring into like a long-term deal. You know what I mean? Like a very lucrative deal as has been reported by all these outlets and stuff like that. But I think another thing that is possible out here is kind of the, kind of the, the game, if you will, of like the coaches versus their athletic departments and against, uh, not against, but like, you know, with their board of trustees and stuff like that, like look at the meticulous chess match that James Franklin has played with 
the athletic department and with the board of trustees and all the other stakeholders at Penn State over this nearly decade. You know, he's worked so hard to try and get commitment for more money for facilities and for, you know, all these different things to make Penn State's football program elite because he's seen what's happened at institutions like Ohio State, Alabama, and now Georgia, who, you know, has built up this uh, near dynasty here and stuff like that. Like he's been using all of these years and all of these, you know, reports of like, oh, like James Franklin is a top candidate for USC's coaching job and stuff like that. Like he's leveraged that and he's parlayed that into what he's wanted to make the program become. So I think there's a little bit of an element of that as well, where, you know, not necessarily that like Shrewsbury is looking to like revitalize or build the program up from scratch because, you know, I think Penn State football is different, you know, when James Franklin came in from that respect. But I think there is something to that where, like what you just said, where I think it's smart for him to take the interviews because, you know, he knows what it's going to take for Penn State to get to a good place basketball wise. Like he's been at a top program, you know, he was just at Purdue, like before he was, uh, or was it like, was he at the Celtics and then Purdue and then us, or was it um, Purdue Celtics than us? I think it was Purdue Butler Celtics and then back to Purdue again. Mm, okay. So, I mean, even so, like even, even Butler is a pretty good example. Like he's seen like what kind of commitment it takes to build a top basketball program. So I think, you know, he's going to be able to utilize these conversations in a way that can potentially transform Penn state into one of those competitive programs, not only from a, you know, game to game, season to season, getting into the tournament perspective, but also like from a recruiting standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, from a fan base, um, uh, attendance standpoint, you know, there's a lot of different angles to look at this. And I think that this is part of the game. Um, so that's just like my long winded answer to say, I'm, I'm putting my chips in. Yes. Like I think he'll be at Penn state next year. I think that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes, um, with Shrewsbury and the athletic department that isn't, you know, as public as like, Oh, like he's mulling over this offer from Notre Dame, because that just also seems to be par for the course for, Penn state and their high profile coaches, you know, I mean, look at like James Franklin, he, you know, he and the athletic department announced, what was it like a, like a seven year deal out of nowhere and nobody knew where it came from. So having these sorts of things close to the chest is not something that's new for Penn state. So I think there's a little bit of that in there as well. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it's smart of uh, coach Shrewsbury to kind of follow that model and, you know, we've seen uh, Coach Franklin have a lot of success this past season, winning the Rose Bowl, and you know, I think Coach Shrewsbury is going to be you know, really able to do the same thing. And Penn State does have the largest alumni base, so you know that produces a lot of money. You know, if, if people want to, you know, allocate the resources to it. So, you know, hopefully, uh, Penn State alumni love Penn State basketball as much as we do. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like. Penn State has the juice to make this happen. They just have to make the conscious effort to do it. That's that's my honest to God opinion on it. Yeah, um, you know, and when you have guys like Nolan Smith uh, after the combine saying that George is the best school, you know, you get steak and lobster every night for dinner if you're a student athlete. Like, you know, that kind of stuff uh, that can uh, you know sway recruits. So yeah, absolutely. You know, Penn State has to be on that level. Yeah, definitely. But. Um, before we move on, though, to programs and student athletes and stuff that are on that level, um, do you want to hand out some players of the game for the uh, 
close loss against Texas? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Fidelity fighter has to be Miles Dredd, only guy knocking down threes, four of seven in his last game as a Nittany Lion. And, you know, was really the only player in it in the plus minus. So Miles Dredd plus minus when he was on the floor was 11. So he had a really great performance. Uh, he was a difference maker, um, you know, when Penn State was really struggling. So my Fidelity yeah. fighter, you know, has to, got, has to go to a guy who was at Penn State, uh, you know, all five years, played hard all five years. Uh, Got to give it to Miles Dredd. Yeah, good stuff. And his dad was, uh, his dad was entertaining, man. He was loving it. Oh yeah, how can you not when your your kids knocking down threes in the NCAA tournament? Like, yeah, for that's for the sure. most excited you can be as a parent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so for the bird brawler, I'm gonna give it to Seth Lundy um, for the reasons that we talked about previously. You know, just a guy who was trying to make any and all hustle plays that he could to put his team in a position to win late in the game. Um, he was the one who scored the go-ahead basket uh, that put Penn State up, what was it, like three or something like that late in the game. And he was yep. uh, getting beat up at times, um, taking some elbows and arms to the face and stuff like that. So just a guy who, you know, you'll want playing in your corner if you're a college basketball team. So um, hoping... That, uh, you know, fingers crossed that he decides to stick around at Penn State for another year. Uh, but for now, he gets the Bird Brawler Award. Excellent. And, uh, you know, we'll circle back to that. Um, yeah. And then for the Mahoney Mahler, I think this has to go to Cam Winter. He had a really great mid-range game. And just like, you know, Seth Lundy, uh, he was 4 of 8 for 11 points and 7 rebounds. Cam was 5 of 9 for 16 points. Led the team in scoring, 4 rebounds, uh, 1 assist to only one turnover. So, you know, he had, he had a really good performance. I was happy with how he played. Uh, so, you know, I think those are the best performances that we saw out of Penn state, uh, great season as a whole. And I hope we get some bigger things, um, you know, heading into next season. Uh, but before we get to potential transfer portal targets, um, what are your thoughts on Seth Lundy? Do you think he comes back? That one I'm torn on. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's there's a couple things to consider here. Um, I think that, you know, he's a guy who's been in college basketball for a long time. Um, he's somebody who has shown a skill set now to, you know, potentially be able to play at the next level um, or come very close to it. You know, he's just kind of like that stretch forward who's able to knock down some threes like when he gets hot and stuff like that. Um, you know, so it seems like he's just uh, um, somebody who has built up his skill set tremendously. And at this point, you know, not, not to say that he's like bored with the college game, but, you know, once you're in college for a little while, it, you just kind of get this mindset where you're like, all right, like I'm ready to move on to the next level. So I think there there could be some elements of that. On the other hand, you know, if you're looking at this team and what its prospects are for next year, I mean, obviously Penn State is going to be um, pretty active in the transfer portal because every team has to be nowadays. You know, there's so many uh, great players coming from a lot of these like mid-major schools and even just major schools um, who teams are going to want to get onto their squad, even if it's just for a year. Uh, but, you know, if Seth Lundy is looking at the team as it stands now, you know, you're not really seeing like another Jalen Pickett like player that's going to be on this team next year. You can almost become like the next star of Penn State. Like you've shown the skill set and Shrewsbury knows your skill set enough to say, okay, like we're going to be featuring you. 
and stuff like that. And then maybe his draft prospects actually improve a little bit because of that. I mean, it's uh, it's a dangerous chess game that these college athletes play when they're trying to decide their future, whether they're going to go pro or stay stay for another year to, you know, potentially improve their prospects and stuff like that. So I think there's some elements of both sides involved in this. I mean, I don't know how much one outweighs the other because I'm not him. Uh, but I think this this one could really be a coin flip for me. What do you think? Um, I'm not optimistic about it. Uh, okay. I would say if Coach Shrewsbury takes the Notre Dame job, mm-hmm. then I would say Seth Lonnie definitely does not come back. Yeah, I'll and definitely then, agree with you there. If yeah, if if Shrews is gone, he's gone too. Yeah, and you know, looking at the the roster as a whole, um, I think you really need to hit on a lot of transfer portals. I don't think Seth Lundy wants to hang around to play with, you know, a bunch of these freshmen who are you know still young and still developing. You know, when it's his last year and last chance to do some big things. And, um, you know, we did talk about how he would be the star player and he would be the guy and that could improve his NBA draft stock. However, uh, with the NBA looks for nowadays and most players, I think he has a higher probability of actually lowering his stock. And Mm. the reason for that is, you know, since he's not the number one option on you know, right now with Jalen Pickett being the number one option that allowed him to be more open and knock down threes. He shot around 45 to 46% this year. So we'll say 45%. Um, if he's the number one option, there's no way uh, he shoots 45%, you know, next season, you know, 45% is about as good as you can get. So I think his draft stock is at an, an all time high because He's shown that he can be a reliable shooter from behind the arc, as well as, you know, NBA range. We, we've seen him knocks down some, you know, big NBA range type threes uh, in the college game this year. And, you know, he's a lockdown defender defensively. He hustles on the boards. You know, he doesn't like have an attitude or anything. He like, He's all business out there. So mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm an NBA, uh, you know, scout, those are all things I want to see. And, you know, he might, he's probably not going to go in like the first 10 picks or you know anything like that. He'd more likely be uh, a second round guy or maybe a late first round. But, you know, he's definitely a guy who think, I think has a lot of potential to be on an NBA roster because in the mm-hmm. NBA, outside of star players, they're looking for three and D guys. And those are two things that Seth Lundy is very good at. Yeah, good point. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, with all those factors in mind, I guess, um, I guess we could, probably both say that we think it's more likely that he that he leaves but you know we we can be optimistic at times or you know try to be we can try to be optimistic at times so maybe uh maybe Seth Lundy just loves Penn State that much that he'll want to stick around for just a little while longer I sure hope so uh yeah. Seth Lundy if you stay I will uh, buy you a Shrewsburger at the field that is <laughs> what go. I have to offer yeah <laughs> perfect yeah yeah you know what I'll throw in there as well yeah Two Shrewsburgers uh, for the price <laughs> of staying at Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. We're on this podcast. We're turning into, uh, you know, Coach Sirianni, how he sends Jason Kelsey a keg of beer every year to get him to stay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like, oh, we'll buy you a Shrewsburger. Right. Yeah. I mean, we we know what sells. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, speaking of of this team and trying to surround itself with all the talent uh, that it is losing. Uh, you know, we do have seven seniors who graduated. We have three incoming freshmen. So that means there's four available roster spots for this team next year, uh, potentially five. Uh, 
if uh, Seth Lundy decides not to come back. Um, one guy that we are looking at and actually took a visit yesterday was Josh Cohen out of St. Francis, PA. He was the NEC player of the year, uh, averaged well over 20 points in the games that he played against Power 5 opponents. He averaged 22 points. Uh, can definitely do a lot on his own offensively watching some some film. You know, he has a lot of good post moves on the inside, has a nice, really nice mid-range jumper. Uh, something that I think, you know, Penn State really struggled with um, just because, uh, you know, you know Kevin Jai hasn't quite d- developed offensively and developed those, you know, the footwork for those post moves yet. So I think he's a guy that you could bring in and he's going to be, he could be a great mentor to Kebajai and to guys like Demetrius Lilly and uh, uh, Kerry Booth, who's coming in as a freshman. So that would be a huge pickup. What are your thoughts on Josh Cohen? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not super familiar with his um, technical skill set, so I'm just going to trust your judgment on that. I mean, I think um, at this point, after the massive success that was Jalen Pickett, I will trust just about any guy that uh, Shrewsbury is bringing in um, as a potential transfer guy for Penn State. Um, I think he just understands kind of the the message that he needs to send to these players. And so I think, you know, when when we see all these lists of teams that it's like, oh, like this, this player has entered the portal and he's heard from these teams um, reportedly or something like that. I think you're going to see Penn State on pretty much every single one of those. I think uh, Shrewsbury is going to be going after these guys um, early and often and stuff like that. So I'm confident that he's going to be uh, filling up at the right position. So I'm, I'm excited that, you know, things are kicking off as um, quickly as they are after Penn State's exit from the NCAA tournament because, you know, there's just no you can't rest on your laurels with this kind of stuff in this day and age with uh, the transfer portal and NIL and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I'm just glad that uh, we're wasting no time in um, trying to replicate the magic this year. Yeah. And talk about a hard worker uh, playing a, a game on Saturday in the uh, NCAA tournament and then bringing a, a transfer portal recruit on Monday, you know, two days apart. So, yeah. you know, Michael Shrewsbury always at work. Um, Great, great coach. Hopefully he stays and, uh, you know, hopefully he keeps bringing guys in like, uh, you know, Jalen Pickett, Andrew Funk, Cam Winter, Josh Cohen. Another guy who uh, has Penn State on his list is uh, a point guard and we will need a point guard next year. Uh, Teron Armstrong. He is currently a point guard at uh, Cal Baptist. So he has entered the portal. He's exploring options, has several offers. So, you know, he's another guy to keep an eye out for as we do have a lot of guards to replace on this Penn State team. Sweet. Yep. Good to hear. Yeah. And another good thing, uh, you know, rec- recruiting wise, this is a, would be for the class of 2024. Um, Sir Muhammad, a four star recruit, has Penn State in his top six. Uh, that is along with Marquette, Virginia Tech. Um, there, were, there were a few others. Uh, Villanova was one of them. Uh, so, you know, Penn State uh, making some big things. Uh, that's all due to Michael Shrewsbury. So, you know, hopefully he stays and, you know, continues to bring in all these great players to Penn State. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, can't forget the the guys in high school, too. So, you know, the fact that um, Marquette and some of these other big name programs are going after these guys, it tells you just about all you need to know that, uh, you know, Penn State should be gunning for these guys, too. Yeah, but if I'm a recruit out, out of those six teams, like, 
I'm I'm thinking that Penn State almost looks the most appealing. Uh, you know, they went just as far in the tournament as Marquette. That's true. Um, the, the other teams didn't make it. So, you know, Villanova, we didn't see them this year. And Virginia Tech, we didn't see. So, you know, I think Penn State you know, has a good chance to land this recruit. Yeah, I mean, that just feeds into really the narrative that this is it's a special time for Penn State basketball right now. I mean, like we're we came literal seconds away from winning a conference title. We won a tournament game, something that hasn't been done since 2001. I mean, it's um, it's really setting the stage. And, you know, we we don't want to like draw all the comparisons to the football program and stuff like that. But it has almost like Penn State football 2016-esque feel to it where, you know, it's just the team accomplished something special. It has a chance to really build on it and become a player on the national stage. So, you know, that, uh, you know, this is this is the time to be aggressive with stuff like this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think Penn State just has to take advantage because when you're hiring a coach, um, it's, it's almost like playing the lottery a little bit, um, you know, cause you don't know if, if, a, you know, just because a coach has a good track record somewhere else doesn't mean it's going to translate, you know, to the level of Penn state. So, uh, you know, the lines really hit the jackpot with, you know, the Shrewsbury, um, hiring. So, you know, they got it, whatever you, whatever you gotta do, write him a blank check, give him the, the keys to the castle. Like that, that's what you gotta do. <laughs> Um, yeah. They cannot, I can not say this enough. They cannot F this up. Like, yeah. They just need to do whatever needs to be done. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, but doing what needs to be done, I think that kind of uh, translates to a nice segue. You want to know a team that did do what needed to be done? The wrestling team. National titles, 10 out of the past 12 years. Has there been a better dynasty in NCAA athletics? I mean, I was thinking about this um, a couple days ago. I think really the only thing that comes close might be Wooden's UCLA teams. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard because, I mean, this this type of dominance from one single coach is, I mean, it, it goes beyond rarefied air. Like, it, it becomes the stuff of myth. Yeah, absolutely incredible. I, I think that, you know, the only one I could think of outside of, uh, you know, UCLA winning their uh, 80 was 82, 83 games, I think they won. And then you have, uh, you know, UConn women's basketball mm, who's yep. up there, uh, you know, in the 2000s, just dominating every year. And it was like a big thing if they got upset. Yep. So, you know, I think uh, Penn State wrestling, you know, is it, it just definitely in the conversation for best dynasty of all time in college athletics. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, when teams win the national championship, regardless of the sport, the, the conversation always shifts to, okay, well, I mean, it'd be really tough for them to do it again next year, but Penn state has done that multiple times now under a single coach. And they're probably going to be pretty heavy favorites to win it again next year. I mean, they've got so much talent, uh, coming back. It's, it's really just an embarrassment of riches, but yeah, I mean, um, Penn state did this in, uh, I don't want to like say typical fashion because it doesn't happen all the time, but they won the title on the morning of the, uh, of the final bouts and stuff like that. So even before the finals happened, Penn state locked up the national championship. They mathematically won it over Iowa. And I think they were in second place and, uh, you know, a bunch of other teams from the big 10, I think, um, Ohio state was up there at number four in the final standings. 
Um, I think Michigan also placed in the top 10. So, I mean, you know, just Penn State just absolutely running things in college wrestling. Um, they crowned two out of their five finalists um, at individual weight classes. I would say one of those was a bit of a surprise, but um, all in all, you know, Carter Stracci and Aaron Brooks just absolutely running things in their um, respective weight classes uh, just left no doubt. Yeah, uh, really fun to watch. And as an athlete, knowing you're you're going to win it before the finals and that you have the team score locked up, that just is a, a weight off of your shoulders because, you know, as much as you're wrestling for yourself, you're wrestling for your teammates. And to know, like, you know, if you F up, like, you know, you're not going to let your team down. That just allows you to, you know, wrestle more freely. And it, you know, it definitely allows you to be more loose heading into your competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, um, you know, I think that really was just exemplified by the way that Carter Shirachi and Aaron Brooks won because they were just so aggressive in both of their respective bouts. I mean, um, really just seemed like Aaron Brooks, especially was just like on a different level. Um, it's funny cause he was, he was talking, you know, with, uh, reporters and stuff like that about, you know, his mentality and stuff. And he actually felt slighted with his number three seating for the tournament, which I was also surprised by just given how dominant he's been since his lone loss on the season. And, uh, when he wrestled the number one guy in the weight class in the finals, um, he had a perfect record against him going into the match and then he won it won it handily and then basically was like oh yeah like i felt completely disrespected by by this ranking i mean like i'm paraphrasing but you know it's just it's just funny how you know he took that mentality of like you know well we already won so i can like go out and just like wrestle free but also at the same time i've got my own little personal vendetta to to settle it just kind of makes for a funny storyline yeah it kind of does and uh speaking of storylines you know in ncaa wrestling who would have thought you would see uh, a Purdue wrestler beat Spencer Lee and then watch the basketball team lose to a 16 seed oh you know, for only God. the second time in NCAA tournament history? Yeah. Like, how wild was that day? That, I mean, that's incredible. I, it's like we can talk all the time about like historic upsets and stuff like that. Spencer Lee going down the way that he did is right up there with the best of them. I mean, he had the chance to do something that you know, I think it's only like five guys in college wrestling history have done, which was win four national titles. Like, like, you know, when, when they put up the stats of like how many guys have done it, um, more people have walked on the moon than have won four national titles in, in college wrestling. Like it's that rare. And, you know, he was, he was the, he was the, you know, heavy favorite going into the entire tournament at his weight class, just because he was undefeated on the year. And he just, he just got trapped. You know, he, uh, the guy put on a really nice, um, counter against him in the final seconds. Uh, Lee was going to win by decision if the scoreline had kept the way it was. And in like within something like the final 12 or 10 seconds or something like that, the guy pins him to win that matchup. I mean, that it's just incredible. Like it's like, kick six against Ohio state 2016 level sorts of like wow. crazy things happening. So, you know, his, uh, I, in the moment, I mean, it's, it's tremendously entertaining comment or content, but I feel bad for his mom kind of becoming a meme at this point because <laughs> there's a, I don't know if you saw it, but there's a video of, of Spencer Lee's mom right after he loses the match. And she's just like beside herself because she thought that her son was going to cruise to a win and then to lose his chance at winning a fourth title just 
right before her very eyes and like and literally decided to affect her eyesight because she then just like took her glasses and crumpled them up into um, like seven different pieces and stuff like that. I mean, I, I feel for her because uh, I can't imagine the kind of agony that she felt right after like feeling secure and happy, like with the result and stuff like that. Um, you can tell that that's a mom who's been there for him through thick and thin for several years of, of wrestling tournaments and stuff like that. Like she, she rides or dies with her, with her son. So I feel for, her, feel sorry for, her, but also it's hilarious. Oh yeah. When you're an athlete of that caliber to win three titles and then just, you know, lose in a, you know, close upset uh, your senior year, that definitely, uh, hurts knowing you don't have a, another opportunity to go back um unless he does for a fifth covid year or no he that he would have already done that already because they didn't have the the ncaa tournament in uh 2020 so right you know this, this would be his last year so yeah really disappointing um kind of interesting story on my end uh i, I was in pittsburgh this uh this weekend watching mm-hmm. the purdue game uh you know with, with some friends and uh, kind of the, the whole, you know, bar area and, you know, restaurant was kind of rooting for FDU because they were the underdog. But to the left of us was this table of Purdue fans just kind of in the middle of Pittsburgh, you yeah. know, kind of going out to watch their team. The five of them there, they were so quiet. Uh, uh, we got there in the second half and, you know, just kind of like looking around, like it was kind of fun to like watch their expressions. Like you're just kind of seeing how nervous they were. It's almost like, I wonder if that's what we look like as like Penn state fans watching, like literally anything just outside of wrestling, maybe being nervous. And then, uh, they, they hung around after the game, uh, you know, kudos to them. Like if that happened to like Penn state losing to a 16 seed when they were that good, like, I would have stormed, like just stormed out of the bar, went home and yeah, like, we would have burned the place down, <laughs> like cried or something like, man, definitely, uh, you know, tough, uh, you know, tough outing for the Boilermakers. And this is the, the third year in a row where they've lost to a double digit seed. Yep. And this was a team who shouldn't have even made the NCAA tournament because yep. they lost their championship game to Mary Mac, but the NCAA has a role just like uh, with Bell- Bellarmine and Louisville uh, that they experienced a couple of years ago, you cannot go to the NCAA tournament in the first four years when you make the change to division one. So even if you win the conference and are like the best team in the country, you don't get to go. Um, I hope the NCAA role changes soon. I, I certainly believe you can do that for higher levels of competition, not lower, but higher. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, this happened to a team that shouldn't have even been there uh, that just makes the upset even uh, more wild. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's wild to think that this school was able to do something that Penn State just didn't have a prayer of doing, which was stopping Zach Eady. I mean, it's uh, like, what What did you say? He only attempted like one shot in the final like 12 minutes or something like that. Like, that's just wild. It's wild. Like it, they, it's Purdue did like the opposite thing of what they did to us. You had Edie in like the high post. And I was like, what is he doing up there? Just put him on the block. And like, um, you know, fairly Dickinson was the literally statistically the shortest team in college basketball. The average player is six, three. So Zach Edie has an extra foot on, you know, all of their players on the team. Like, it's like, what are you doing? Like, that's insane. 
I couldn't understand why they didn't just give it, give him the ball in the post, or if they were going to shoot a three, have Edie right there in the paint, ready to rebound. Uh, just kind of, you know, wild how they didn't execute in that game. And, you know, I know Charlie brought this up, but, you know, they were like out of the past, I, I don't know how many years, but they've lost to five double digit seeds in the yeah. tournament. And they're kind of known as uh, maybe like Virginia, where they're just one of those teams that always seems to, you know, choke in the dance. And, yeah. you know, you have to wonder if some of that's some of that's coaching. Uh, yeah. You know, I know we were, we talked about, or at least I talked about how I thought it was kind of head scratching that they had Zach Eady on the bench when Penn state was trying to make their comeback. And, you know, they thought he couldn't guard threes on the perimeter, but what P- Purdue also couldn't do was, you know, defend on the inside and we were getting quick layups and, you know, Purdue lost the best offensive player. Uh, he was giving us fits all day on the boards and he wasn't out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, really, uh, you know, head scratching, uh, do you know what year Zach Eady is? is he- uh, I don't. I feel like he's he's probably like a sophomore or junior, right? Yeah, I don't think he's been there too long. But like you imagine at his size and the year he's had, he, he's got to be going you know pro to the next level, you'd imagine. So if you're oh, Purdue God, and, yeah. and just seem to waste that, you know, Zach Eady, you know, college basketball player of the year away, like it's just mm-hmm. kind of wild that, you know, that, that, that happened to them in that fashion. Yeah, that one that one's gonna hurt. I mean, who would have no thought? Who would have thought a school in New Jersey that nobody heard of would be going farther than Rutgers? In the yeah, tournament? I, I, I know. Not it's, only that, but the NIT—they lost to Hofstra at home as the number yeah. one seed. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was hilarious, especially with uh, you know my experience with the Rutgers fans who were at our place when we blew that nineteen-point lead, and it's just one of those things that karma hits hard and. <laughs> So I personally found that uh, kind of funny. Uh, I, I didn't say anything to the Purdue fans because they're 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 a nice fan base and uh, their fans are all respectable, res- you know, respectful and stuff mm-hmm. when they they come to visit. So uh, you know, definitely not like our bordering neighbor states. So got to feel for them a little bit, but not too much because I would do anything for like a Big Ten championship in basketball. Like that's mm-hmm. definitely a big deal. Right. Yeah. No. I. Uh, your feelings on that are well documented, but no, yeah, I I think that it's losing the way that Purdue did, and as many times as they have, like that's a tough stain to get rid of. Um, you know, I think the only the only cleanse or solution for that is by winning. Um, they got to win the national championship like within the next year or so, the way that uh, Virginia did, because that's, I mean, uh, Virginia has kind of shown that that's, you know, that's the precedent, you know, when you're, when you're one that loses to a 16, that's uh, so far, that's the only course of action that's happened so far in March Madness history is winning, winning the whole thing the next year. So they have, they, they have, they have a clear goal at least. Yeah. So if Virginia did that, I wonder what the sports betting odds are like just to, like if you bet like right now, Purdue to win the NCAA tournament next year. Well, maybe we'll have to have Charlie on to see, to see what that bet is. Yeah, a, definitely. He unfortunately did not win his $5,000 for uh, <laughs> Penn State <laughs> winning the no. national title. No. Yeah. As much as we were trying to will him to win that money. But um, yeah, I think it's uh, it it's just insane to like put into perspective, like how much of an upset that was. I mean, it's like you, you flip them and it's like the the Purdue wrestler taking down Spencer Lee. I mean, I think that 
it's comparable. <laughs> so it's just funny how how much on opposite ends Purdue was uh, just with a yeah. different sport. It's just just like uh, you know balancing the, in the universe with uh, yeah exactly Thanos, a soul yeah. for a soul. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get a win against Spencer Lee, but you're going down to Fairly Dickinson. <laughs> Did speaking of uh, Fairly Dickinson though, did you see that uh, their coach Tobin Anderson just decided to like? I, I mean, I don't want to say he jumped ship, but he he was quick to take the open Iona job. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I don't blame him. It's a, yeah. it's a step up, and yeah, you know, uh, when you're at a school that no one's heard of compared to a school that typically wins their conference, uh, and Iona, we've seen them in the we've seen the gales and the, the tournament many a times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely, you know, if, and especially like if he's not winning that game, you know, you, you, you probably don't hire that guy. Yeah, I mean, you exactly. Could, you could, you could, but, um, it makes, it makes his prospects a lot better though. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he's probably not going to be getting back to the dance next year with fairly Dickinson and upsetting a, a, a one or two seed. We'll right. just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what else do we got? Um, you want to talk about men's volleyball? Yeah, uh, uh, it's the curse of the one. I tell yes, you, it is. Um, yep. you know, Penn State men's volleyball got some awesome news. They're number one in the polls this week, and then they drop, uh, you know, drop a game against uh, five setter to Ohio State at home, three uh, three to two. Uh, you know, number fifteen ranked Ohio, so really good squad. That was their last really big home game of the year, and uh, really bummer for for the squad after they've worked so hard to climb the rankings and and get to the number one seed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, it, it sucks. (laughs) You know, this is, that was, uh, one of those, one of those rare moments. Uh, but you know, what are you going to do? So I think, um, state's mindset just has to be, um, getting back to, uh, just playing free volleyball that helped them beat, number two UCLA and number one Hawaii and stuff like that. I mean, they just, they just have to get back to that mindset. And, um, you know, now that they've kind of gotten like the proverbial monkey off their back with something like this, they can just, you know, focus on not being perfect and not being like the best team, but being like the best team that they can be, uh, when it matters most. And that is, uh, you know, the upcoming tournament. Yeah. And, uh, this was the first time they've achieved that ranking since 2009 when we were in high school, Yep. Uh, so been a really long time since men's volleyball has been kind of on par with women's the women's program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're seeing them at the top and it, just a bummer that we we're going to lose that number one spot within like yeah. two days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really yeah. The- bummer to you know see it go down, but uh, hopefully they get things all together for the EIVA, um, you know, championships that they have. And you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they can uh, you know, make a run at a title. Cause that's something that would be uh, really exciting. Uh, but you know, those are not the only teams. Uh, I feel like we're we're gonna go over an hour here on the pod because we have so many p- teams in the NCAA tournament. That's right. Uh, you got the men's hockey squad. Uh, they're going to be facing up against uh, Michigan Tech on Friday at five o'clock, or five or five thirty, uh, in Allentown, PA. So they'll be there this weekend, and if they win, they'll be playing on Sunday against the winner of uh, Michigan and. Do you remember who Michigan's playing? I do not. Well, Michigan's a solid squad, so I think Michigan's yeah. probably win. So, uh, you know, they're, they'll likely face uh, Michigan or, uh, you know, their other opponent on Sunday if, you know, if they win. So, you know, something exciting for the Lions. And then also I think women's gymnastics um, is going on to, 
I don't know if it's the like uh, like national like the nationals. I think it's more of the regionals, but I believe their team has regionals in Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, within the next week or two. So, you know, lots of Nittany Lions sports heading into this postseason, and you you love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Did you happen to see the video um, from the athletic department? Uh, or I forget if it was the hockey team's account that posted this, but they uh, put a, a um, an outline of the state of Pennsylvania. Oh, in front I, of did, the players. I did. I <laughs> did. Some like where <laughs> Allentown was. And they were the, like, pointing up towards like Scranton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, they gave they gave it their best effort, but it's just, it's just funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it'd be great to see um, Penn State hockey make it, uh, hopefully, like to the Frozen Four. I mean, um, just kind of keep up with this uh, trend of Penn State teams doing big things uh, on the national stage, like in the final tournament and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think that they're going to be necessarily the favorite um, to win the tournament. I mean, that being said, they've shown plenty of ability to hang with and beat the top teams in the country. So, I mean, it's not it's not completely impossible. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's March Madness. Uh, you know, crazy things happen. And, yep. you know, with hockey, uh, you know, there's not like there's an undefeated team out there. Uh, all these teams have multiple losses. So, you know, I think even Minnesota had over five losses this year in hockey. So. You know, all you need is the puck to bounce right on your night and things to go your way and you're moving on. It's a uh, survive and advance style thing. It's not like, you know, the Stanley Cup where it's a best of seven when it's, uh, you know, one and done anyone. It's fair game. So, you know, hopefully Penn State does make a run to the Frozen Four and really happy to see Penn State back there after a, mm-hmm. a couple of down years and that 2019 and 2020 team. You know, they won the Big Ten regular season and, you know, they were in position, you know, to actually they would have made the NCAA tournament had COVID not happened. So to see all those guys who worked hard for so long finally get what they deserve in a NCAA tournament appearance uh, definitely makes you feel good. Yeah, great point. Um, you know, it's just it's just a testament to like how how hard those guys have worked. And um, obviously Guy Godowski has those guys ready to play uh, year in and year out. So it's awesome that they've been able to have like big moments, big upsets and stuff like that. um, And for it to culminate in this tournament. Yeah. And uh, you know, those aren't the only sports that are doing well. Lacrosse is doing very well. Uh, Yeah. Back uh, in the top 10. Yeah. Back in the top 10 men's lacrosse uh, did suffer a loss this past week, but uh, so they dropped from number five in the country down to number nine. But women have been on kind of a roll after being unranked. They moved up to 25 and now up to 20. So, uh, you know, great to see, uh, you know, the, the team is doing well on the lacrosse field. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it seems like, um, you know, especially the men's team has had quite a drastic rise in the rankings because what was it? They did they beat number four Yale or something like that? And then all of a sudden it just seemed like they were in the top 10. Yeah, they beat uh, number five Yale, number 10 Penn and number mm-hmm. three Cornell. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> a big string of great performances. They they worked their way up. Um, I forgot who they lost to this past week. But anyway, you know, good things from the, the, the lacrosse program. Uh, happy to see them doing well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that uh, that one year where they were the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, I thought for sure that they were going to win, uh, win it all. So um, hopefully they get another chance this year. Yeah, and uh, maybe I'll have to head over to uh, Panzer Stadium and and check out some men's or women's lacrosse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, 
You got anything else? Um, you know, nothing else. Uh, baseball and softball are doing pretty well too. I don't think they're ranked at the moment, but uh, yeah. they've been having a pretty good season so far. Yeah. So, one thing we forgot to mention, um, close to the beginning of the season, I, I forget exactly why we didn't mention it, but Penn state like started out the baseball season by beating number 15 Miami. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a great problem to have, but it's like, we can't find really many teams that haven't had like some of these landmark moments so far this year. Yeah. It's a, yeah, really good program to have uh, or a good problem to have. It's just, Oh, we're talking about basketball doing awesome. And yeah. you know, then there's all these other sports, you know, after doing uh you know, two, three, you know, basketball pods a week. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, uh, you know, we'll continue to draw listeners, draw some support for the pod. Maybe, maybe uh, one day this will be our primary source of income and we'll be able to get you guys some, some more podcast pod content on, you know, the other Penn state sports that are, are doing well outside of football and basketball. Absolutely. Uh, so you, uh, got anything else or do you want to head out of here? Yeah, I think it's time to head out. Uh, now that we covered all of our successful sports. That's right. Uh, if you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review. So other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us interesting new episodes you can subscribe on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified thank you for listening and we want to remind you that we are the nittany blues podcast see you next time